This morning, if you have your Bible, turn with me to John's Gospel. John chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. I'm going to begin something this morning that uh, I want to carry on for a while, and as long as you're here, uh, you'll know where we're going to be for the next service. I'm going to begin preaching through the book of John. The Gospel of John. So if you have a Bible... And you can go to the book of John. If not, we have books of the Gospel of John that we've left upstairs at the main office. You can get one of those. And if we run out, we've got more we can leave with you. So the Gospel of John is available. Yes. 1, 1, chapter 1, verse 1. The Gospel according to John or St. John, as some Bibles have it, it is the last of the four Gospels. It's a very interesting study. Out of the Gospel of John from beginning to end, you will see a perspective on Jesus Christ that John the Apostle wrote and provided. For a little bit of history, I guess, John was the only Apostle of Christ who died a natural death. The rest were persecuted or executed because of their Christianity. They tried to do that with John. As a matter of fact, John wrote quite a few of the books of the New Testament. John wrote the Gospel. John wrote first, second, and third John, the letters, and John wrote the book of Revelation. As a matter of fact, when John was but on the, on the Isle of Patmos, where he received the book of Revelation, he was put there to die. John had been boiled in oil by the emperor Nero because he was a Christian, and he would not renounce Christ. He was boiled alive in oil, and covered in third-degree burns, he was put in a boat, and he was taken to the Isle of Patmos, which really is nothing more than a big rock. And he was placed there to die. It was like an Alcatraz without a building. So, let's get our mind wrapped around this thing with John being on the Isle of Patmos. He had third degree burns over his body. He was transported across an ocean with salt water. He was placed on an island in the, with sun beaming down. So on top of the third degree burns, he was sunburned. He had to be dealing with infections and everything else that came from that. Then the ocean spray that would come in off of the ocean and the salt water would continue to irritate all of that. But through all of it, through all of that, God took care of John. God took care of him. And not only that, they did not bring him food on that island. John had to find food for himself. He was uh, totally on his own. He was isolated there on that island, left to die. But God did not allow that. God cared for him. God healed him. God moved in his life in a miraculous way. And when Nero died, they sent a boat to get John and they brought him back to the mainland where John pastored the church in Ephesus 
until he died at around 98 years old. We think about and we talk about our testimonies and what God's done in our life and I was just telling you how amazing those were and how wonderful it was to hear that. When we think about the Apostle John, we can think about how God took care of him and we can see his testimony in his words. I wanted to open with that this morning to give you a little bit of an idea of who John really was. Because often when we look at the television programs about who the apostles were, we see very weak individuals. We see men who are pushed around, men who are shoved around. We see folks who are taken advantage of and used. And we just don't think of them as being tough, rugged men who have actually gone through things the same way with women in Scripture. We are shown women in Scripture on television and in movies, and they are seen as very weak and petite individuals, when in reality they're very rugged, when in reality they're very tough and they have endured a great deal. So when we think about our Bible characters, let's get an idea of exactly who they are. And that's why I wanted to introduce John to you before we begin a look at his gospel. Beginning with chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Those five verses this morning is what I want to share with you for a little while as we look at and consider the essence of Jesus' divine life. When we're opening up with John's Gospel, John takes us right to Jesus and who he is divinely. As I've mentioned, the Gospel of John is a little different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the Synoptic Gospels. They tell basically the same story from a different perspective. John does not go down that road. John tells his own personal testimony of what he experienced with Jesus personally and what he experienced personally through following Jesus and how that can relate into your life and my life and our walk with the Lord and how it can bless us. The apostle wrote his gospel from a very different perspective. John wrote to meet the spiritual need of the church. John was the pastor at the church of Ephesus when he wrote this gospel. So he was writing to encourage the church. And that's what I want it to do with you as we go through this. I want you to see the encouragement that John is trying to give and the encouragement that John is trying to place in your life. As I said earlier, he was the last surviving apostle. That means there were at least two generations between Jesus and the church that John pastored. So here John was someone that had actually walked with Jesus. Someone who had ate with Jesus. Someone who had watched Jesus through his ministry. Someone that had watched Jesus die on the cross. 
He was the apostle that Christ gave his earthly mother to, to care for. And then John watched Christ rise from the dead at the resurrection, and he was there when Christ ascended into heaven. John was present in all of that. He was also there two generations of people later with the church who had never seen Jesus face to face. So here he was trying to give them a picture of who Christ was. So when we're studying and we're looking over the Gospel of John, you can keep that in mind. John is trying to give you a picture of who Jesus Christ is. As if he was saying, I have seen the man, I have met the man, I have walked with God, and I have learned from God, and I want to share that with you, so spiritually speaking, you can do the very same thing. He wants you and I this morning to do the very same thing and have the very same experience spiritually that he had physically. And yes, we can do that. We can have that very same experience. The church, as I said, had no physical connection with Christ and it was necessary for John to reveal Jesus as he knew him. John will use his experience, his exposure, his anointing and his personal relationship to establish for the church, to establish for the church a gospel that establishes doctrine that is used for evangelism and edification. Evangelism is sharing Jesus. It is sharing Jesus in word and in life. We are taught a lot about sharing Jesus in word, about explaining and talking to people about Jesus. And I think we should be able to do that. But here is the most important part of evangelism. It is leading a life that Jesus speaks through. Before we can share by word who Jesus was, we have to live by life who Jesus was. That doesn't mean we have to live a sinless life or a life without fault or failure because we can't do that. I'm not saying that to give you a license to go out and sin, but I'm just not wanting you to build your hopes up that you're going to be something that the Bible says you can't be. You can't be that sinless person that unfortunately too many people today want us to be. Other people today around us want us to be because we go to church, because we open our Bibles and study our Bibles, because we spend time in prayer. The very first hiccup in life that comes our way, whether it is something we've done or whether it is something that was done to us, folks outside want to say, Aha! You're not as much of a Christian as you think you are or else this would not have happened to you or you would not have done this or whatever it may have been. That's not what God expects from His church. He expects us to live by faith. He expects us to take the things we know are sin and not not deliberately and intentionally and willingly get involved with them. The things that, that we learn and grow through, that is edification. Edification is learning. So John brings evangelism and edification together for the church. 
He shows us how we are to be sharing Jesus and how we are to be living it in our own lives. That's what we're going to begin seeing this morning as we move in to this study. We're going to see Jesus from creation to creation. John will will use current and relevant events, circumstances, and situations, and he's going to use them to explain the atonement of Christ, eternal life through Christ, and what quite possibly is going to be John's greatest achievement is his theological contribution to the function and the person of the Holy Spirit. John is going to give us a deep, deep picture of the moving and the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. That's why it was so important for him to write down this gospel, for him to place it out there. Yes, the Holy Spirit led him to do it. Yes, God wanted him to do it. Why? Remember, he's already two generations away from Christ ascending into heaven. It is the moving of the Holy Spirit in the life of the Christian that is going to establish that relationship with Jesus Christ. And it is the the Jesus Christ's death and resurrection that is going to establish the relationship with God. So without the Godhead, without the Trinity, without knowing and seeing how all three of those work together in the Christian life, we're missing some things. And John is trying to close all of those gaps. He's trying to close all of those open areas so that folks understand what Christ wanted, what God wants in that relationship, and what He expects from us. Not what other people expect, not what religions expect, but what God expects. So this morning, when we talk about the essence of Jesus' divine life, it is the beginning, it is the beginning of the understanding of what God wants to do in and through our personal lives. So notice with me first, the essence of Jesus' divine life is found in His person. In verses 1 and 2, in the beginning was the Word. That reminds us of Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. God in the beginning is the word Elohim. If you go all the way back to Genesis 1.1, it is Elohim. And it is a plural noun. More than one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They were all three together in the beginning. The word logos is word. When we see the word was with God in the beginning was the word, that's the word logos. And it describes Jesus. In the beginning, Jesus was with God. He did not just come about at birth. The birth of Jesus was a very real thing. But it is what, what is called the incarnate Christ. It is Christ who was living previously in heaven with God. There was no beginning. In the beginning doesn't talk about the beginning of Christ. 
It talks about in the beginning, the beginning of the creation. The creation of the world, the creation of the, of the universe, the creation of mankind. That's the beginning that the Bible was talking about. Not the beginning of God. Not the beginning of Christ. Not the beginning of any of that. But the beginning and the all-knowing aspect of God. It is the genius behind the created universe. When we look around us and we think about everything that's going on, we think about the weather, we think about the trees, the changing of the spring and the summer and the fall and the winter and all of that. And recently, I don't know if you saw it, but recently they had just, science had just taken the first official picture of a black hole in outer space. We've heard about these things for our whole lives. And we may not really understand what they're talking about, but they had a picture of one. Well, guess what? God created it. They've been out there forever, along with many other things that God had created because He wanted to. So when we think about the essence of uh, of the Jesus' divine life, and we see it in His person, we have to realize who Christ was and where He was in the beginning. They don't refer to the past, the present, or the future, but they refer to something that is ongoing. You see, Jesus didn't just happen. He didn't just fall out of the sky. He was there from the beginning. And He was there when things were created. He was there when you and I were born. And He will be there when we pass on and leave our children behind and we move into eternity. He was there when we had our failures in life. He was there when we had our successes in life. And folks, He's there today in your life and here present with us in this service this morning. And what a blessing it is to hear your praise and your, your prayer requests and, and how He's moving in your life because that's evidence of His presence. And He's going to be there this afternoon when, when I leave and the message is over. And He's going to be there in the morning when you get up. And whatever the struggles you may walk into later in this week, He's going to be there in the middle of those struggles with you also. I talked with someone this past week and they were talking about struggles and they were they were having a very difficult time with them and I reminded them of the story in the Bible of Daniel in the fiery furnace. Of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was this placed in there. They were told that they would have to bow down to the king. And if they didn't bow down to the king, they would be thrown into the furnace and they would be burned alive. Well, they said they wouldn't bow. So the king told them to heat up the furnace as hot as it would go. And I'm paraphrasing this story just as an illustration here, okay? So bear with me. He heated up the furnace as high as it would go and they threw them into that furnace. And then the king said, check on them. And the king looked over and he saw four men walking in the fire. And he said, didn't we throw in three? And they said, yes, sir, we did. And they said, I see fourth one. And the fourth one is likened to the Son of Man. That is a reference to Jesus. Folks, sometimes God will not rescue us from the circumstances that are in front of us. But 
when He doesn't, He will walk through those circumstances with us and He will lead us through those circumstances. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fiery furnace on the other side, they didn't even smell like smoke. That's God. That's God. That's who John is talking about here when he's talking about the divine person that he is and the presence of God in the lives of those around us. That was his pre-existence. He was there with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He was there at the beginning when in the beginning God said Jesus was there. He was there when I was born. He was there when you were born. He was there when your children were born. He will be there when we step out of this body and we step into eternity. And He will forever be there in His pre-existing perfection. Well, not only do we know Him in His pre-existence, we know Him in His distinctiveness. We also read about Elohim. And I said that that was a plural noun. The word created is a singular verb. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. That word beginning reference is created and it's a singular verb. So there is one God and there is one creation. It is done by God through three individual people. Now I want to talk to you just a minute about getting a mental grasp on the Trinity. That seems to be really difficult for us because we hear that there are three in one and one in three. We hear that preached a whole lot. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and they are in one Godhead. And then there's one Godhead in all three people. Let me give you a little simple math to kind of put this into a perspective. One plus one plus one is three. One times one times one is one. So it doesn't matter. If we multiply Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we have one. If we add Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we have three. Very simple math. It gives you a perspective. You still may not understand it and grasp it. And honestly speaking this morning, I don't know if this side of eternity we will ever be able to understand and grasp the idea of the Trinity to the level that we want to understand it and grasp it this morning. But just to give you a simple explanation and a simple picture of how you can think about it. One plus one plus one or one times one times one. It gives you an idea to get three in one and one in three. Which is how the how God pictures that and how His Word pictures it. We often make it a difficult, difficult task. But when we consider that illustration, we realize quickly that we live in a triune universe. There is space and there is matter and there is time. Space is triune in length and breadth and height. When we look at this room, we see how long it is. We see how wide it is. We see how tall it is. That is space. When we look at matter, it is an energy in motion. And it is in phenomena. When we think about matter, we can think about our own bodies having the energy 
to walk. And when we take that energy to walk and we move to those steps, we have to put it into practice, which is the phenomenon of moving up those steps to get to the next level. That is a picture of matter. It is triune is in past, present, and future. It's going to be in every part of our lives. God and who He is is going to be not just who we were in our innocence, but God is going to be there in part of our lives with where we were in our failures. And God is going to be there in our repentance from those as well. Well, just as we see His distinctiveness and His pre-existence, we also see His deity. Here is found the theology of Jesus. Jesus is all everything that God is. Every characteristic of God that is written and found inside of the Bible is also a characteristic that belongs to Jesus. We're going to see that emphasized over and over and over again through this gospel as we go through it. Jesus exists as an individual flesh and blood person, yet he has all of the attributes of God. I am in my Father and my Father is in me. He says over and over and over again throughout this throughout this, uh, uh, this gospel. He has wisdom and power over life as we see when he raises Lazarus from the dead and, and raises others from the dead and heals the sick. He has power over the physical and over the eternal. When we see him saving the souls of individuals who come to him and believe in him, you know that he has power over the eternal because he has saved your soul this morning. He has called upon you and you have accepted and you believe in Him. You know He has that power. If He has the power over the eternal aspects of your soul, does He also not have power over the physical things in life and over life itself? I also want you to see today the essence of Jesus is found in His infinite power. When we look at verse 3, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. All things were made by Him. The Greek word there is the word kanta. And it refers to an individual or separate things. Whether it is the trees, the air, the stars, the dirt, whatever it may be, it was made by Him. Even when we come down into our bodies, whether it is the cells that were comprised of the DNA, the RNA, whether it is our brain, or the many systems of our body, the very soul and the very spirit that lives within us, it was created by Jesus. Stop and let that sink in for just a moment this morning. Everything that exists, exists because Christ created it and permitted it in our lives. It gives us a very big picture of how awesome He really is. It's also seen through communication. In verses 4 and 5 this morning, 
In him was life, and life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Jesus was light. John tells us the Lord has power of communications in two areas. Communication in life and communication in life. Before Jesus came into the world incarnate as the light of the world, He made God known through creation, of which life itself is the most marvelous mystery and of the loudest voice. When we witness the birth of a child, we see the handiwork of God being made manifest in our life. When we see something as simple as a bird breaking through the shell and coming to life, we see the handiwork of God communicating to us through life. I, I'm a beekeeper. I have, I have beehives and I keep bees and I watch them. Sometimes I'll go out and I'll put my suit on and I'll open up the beehive and I'll pull a frame of the bees out. And I'll watch them hatch and come out of the cone. They will eat through and they'll just, they'll work their way out once they get mature and once they get, once they get able and strong enough to do that. And it's such an amazing thing to watch, to watch that little honeybee crawl out of that little, that little cell. Come out and it'll stand and it'll straighten its wings and it'll flap its wings and then it'll start crawling around and walking around. And then before you know it, it'll just fly off and it'll join the rest of them. It is the creation of God. It is in life itself. In the beginning, God created everything. Life itself was in that beginning. We see darkness. We see Christ being the communication of light. Where did darkness come from? Darkness come from fallen angels. Lucifer. Remember the story of the devil? Lucifer was an angel in heaven. One of the most beautiful angels in heaven. And he rebelled against God. He and one third of the angels of heaven rebelled against God. And God cast them out. And because of that rebellion, darkness was formed. And from that rebellion and from that darkness, it was transferred into the hearts and the lives of man in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve fell. And they fell God. That darkness was established on the the earth and it was established in the lives of people. But Jesus, Jesus is the light that pushes away that darkness. He is the light that moves it out. He is the light that takes its place. Yes, there is a darkness in the carnal minds of people and in the hearts of people. We all have it. Some people have a tendency of living in that darkness and not wanting to come out. But when Christ calls upon you and I and He shines His light into our hearts and the darkness is pushed and moved away and when we will say, Yes, Jesus, I believe. 
I believe. And we will accept and we will confess with our mouth our, our sins and we'll confess who we, who we are and we'll confess how badly we need Him. He will save us. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10. Paul gives us that in some detail. Folks, the essence of Jesus' divine life is found in His power through creation and His power through communication. The essence of Jesus can be summed up as the beginning. The beginning not of He, but of everything around us. Including us. He is our beginning. Think about that. Not our birth, but our new birth. He told Nicodemus that we must be born again. And Nicodemus said, how do I do that? Do I re-enter my mother's womb? And Jesus said, no, no. You believe in me. Jesus is also the beginning of our existence. The air we breathe, the food we eat, the knowledge we have, the existence that we love daily. It culminates in redemption when it becomes available. When we accept Jesus, our existence takes on a new life. Our existence takes on a new purpose. Our existence takes on a new identity. Jesus is the beginning of eternal life for you and me. The beginning of everything physical, everything eternal. As I said earlier, the Apostle John lived the longest of any of the Apostles. And it is estimated he lived well into his 90s. He didn't live an easy life. He lived and experienced some of the greatest horrors that any person could experience. Yet through faith, through faith, John endured. Because he knew the Lord Jesus Christ was the beginning of everything. He knew that. He believed that. And he wanted his church, the body of Christ, to know it and to believe it as well. So this morning as I close and as I conclude, I don't want to brag. I can't brag on me. I can't brag on the world around me, but I can brag on Jesus. I can brag on the work that He has done in the lives of people. I can brag on the work that I hear testified of being done in your lives. I can brag on His promises that He's going to give and that He's going to provide and the promises He's going to hand us based on His work. This morning, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, before you leave this room, I want to encourage you to accept Him. If you do know Him as your Lord and Savior, I want you to leave this room encouraged. Encouraged about the essence of who He is. About His divine life. And encouraged about what the Gospel of John is going to do in your life as we cover this precious book. Pray with me, please.